Well, peace and Merry Christmas, Christ is Love Church. Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. And while you are turning there or going onto your phone right now, I actually want to share an update on Bless Our Neighborhood, and then we'll pray, and then we will dive into a standalone New Year's Day sermon. Y'all ready? Awesome, awesome. So let me give you a quick update. As you all know, Bless Our Neighborhood is our community outreach initiative here at Christ's Love Church. And something that has been happening in the last couple of weeks is the preparation for the Christmas blessing. This Friday, because of your faithful giving, we will be blessing over a hundred teenagers on January 6th. Amen. Amen. With hoodies, gifts, and a time of loving fellowship. Not only are we going to bless the teenagers, we're also going to bless the parents and guardians of these teenagers too. That's just awesome. Uh, Parents are hard workers. It's awesome. Uh, We continue to pray, uh, CIL Church, we continue to pray for no more fatherless uh, in Sumner County. We really are believing that of all the things that are happening in our county, uh, we really want to pray for no more fatherless. Uh, We want to pray for no more fatherless in this generation. We want to pray for the Lord to save and heal this generation in our county. Amen? We believe that this generation, not the next generation, but the now generation, will have a big part of what the Lord is doing in Sumner County. And it's because of your faithful giving that this thing is possible. So I'm super thankful, super thankful for your giving. So as I heard Pastor Aaron say, yes, continue to give, not out of guilt or obligation, but because amazing, beautiful things are happening because of the kingdom of God. So let's pray in thankfulness uh, for what the Lord has done, what he will do, and for our time together this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, we, as we breathe, we are breathing in your air. Every inhale and exhale is evidence of your grace upon grace. We inhale grace and exhale grace. So, Lord, I ask that in this this moment, as we dive into your word, that we would be encouraged, that we would be equipped, and that we would be empowered to partner with you in the new thing that you are doing right in our midst. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. The presence of God is what we need most. Nowhere else is there the fullness of hope, peace, joy, and love. It is the place where our deepest fears and and discouragements are met with the security of his sovereignty and grace. So as we continue through the Christmas season, yes, as we continue through the Christmas season, I've reflected upon stories of my childhood. One of them in particular was when I was a teenager. It was the Christmas I received the Vulcan EBF-25 Nerf gun. And I mean, look at this thing. There's a picture up here. Look at this thing. This thing is crazy. It'll annihilate rabbits out in your backyard. I can tell you that right now. Growing up here in the south of Middle Tennessee. Uh, My brother Noah and I always had these Nerf wars growing up. We even had a barrel. 
in my, in my uh, bedroom to hold all of our Nerf guns and our lightsabers, uh, just depending on the day. Uh, on this particular Christmas, I wanted the Vulcan EBF 25 to turn the tide. Uh, so after all the gifts were open on this Christmas day, I was ready to go after Noah. Several days passed, and my inner Jacob the heel grabber had an idea to join forces with Noah in order to surprise our toddler, emphasize toddler, sister Rebecca with a rain of Nerf bullets. During the middle of the week, we went up the stairs where Rebecca's room was. We crept next to the door, and we counted one, two, and busted the door wide open and began to fire. And as expected, she cried out loudly, Dad! And what do you think her big brothers did? Exactly what you think. Oh, no, 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 you're not really hurt. It's like we were just kidding. We were just kidding. You're not really hurt. You're fine. You're fine. Don't call on Dad. It's okay. It's okay. You're not really hurt. Rebecca ran and yelled. She ran to the only place that she felt safe. She ran to our dad. She caught her breath, ate a snack. Snacks are important. And felt safe again because she got to our dad. Not only this, but Noah and I were not a factor to her fear anymore because she received exactly what she needed. We all have a heavenly father that we can run to, whether it is because of something we are fleeing from, something we are anxious about, or because of something we are exhausted by. The presence of God is what we need most. This New Year's Day, I'll be leading us through a sermon about the presence of God because no matter what happens in 2023, the presence of God is what we need most. But I'm not only preaching it because it's what we need most, friends. As I was having my own time devotionally, Holy Spirit was making it very clear, Jacob, this is what you need most, the presence of God. So will you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 13 together. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah has done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba, that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly, An angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked. And there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. 
He said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Suddenly the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we enter this story with Elijah on the run. He is on the run after much success in life and in his ministry. Can any of you relate? Have you ever felt that even after so much success in your life, all it takes is someone saying something discouraging and you are ready to run to the hills? This is Elijah we are talking about. The man whose name literally means Yahweh is our God. Two chapters before, we see Elijah fed by ravens, multiply the food supply of a widow, resurrect a son back to life. Challenge the 450 prophets of Baal and witness the fire of the Lord fall down to show that the Lord alone is God. This is Elijah, the man of God. Yet a word from Jezebel has him running to the hills asking for the Lord to take his life. The first insight from this text to take away that I want you to take away is this. Our past successes are not our source of strength. Achievements are just distractions if they're not given to the glory of God. Every step on the long road of obedience must be in the same direction, the direction of depending on God. Even human beings like Elijah need to remember where their strength is from. And where their shield is from, from the accusations of the wicked. All human beings need the strength and shield of the Lord. It is good to remember the wondrous works uh, that the Lord has done. But we also need to remember to set our gaze on the Lord when new challenging things arise. Elijah felt defeated. Have any of you felt that before? He had partnered with the Lord in beautiful, powerful things, yet the thoughts of defeat spiraled him into a space of utter sorrow. Many of us might have been in this space before 
or might be in this space right now. A space where more than anything, we need the Lord to show up for us. It is in this honest lament of Elijah that the love of the Lord was already preparing him for a journey to the place he needed most. It was in the wilderness, an angel appears, and there's this warm cake, a warm cake of bread that's baked, and a jug of water is given to Elijah. The angel of the Lord even says that he must get up and eat, or the journey will not uh, will just be too much for him. A 40 days and 40 nights journey to the place he needed to be most. When I read this, I can't help but think, especially knowing the fact that I had longhorns last night, what about that bread? I want that bread. I don't want kind of bread that's, that, that's bloated or that would make me want to go gluten-free. I want that bread. That bread would have helped Frodo and Sam way more than elvish lembus bread on their way to Mount Doom in Mordor. Some of my fellow nerds and, uh, uh, fellow nerds and geeks know what I'm talking about there. The Lord knew what Elijah needed. Elijah needed to leave the space where he felt defeated and take a far enough journey away in order to gain new perspective, to go to a place where it is just him and the Lord. Elijah then gets to the place that the Lord was leading him to, the mountain of Horeb. And this is the second insight from the text that I want us to take away. And it's this, the Lord provides where he sends God does not leave us to our own resources in the wilderness. If there's anything that we learn from our biblical ancestors when they were leaving the land of Egypt and going uh, into the land of Canaan, it's this, that the Lord provides where he sends. Whether it is 40 days and 40 nights or the year 2023, the Lord is faithful to provide us where he is sending us to go, how he is leading us to live, and who we are called to love. And oftentimes, how he provides is by giving us the time to step away so that we can step into the grace he has for us. So Elijah spends the night and the word of the Lord comes to him. Elijah, again, whose name means Yahweh is my God, is showed something. Something that disorients his view of power and refuge. He witnesses mighty winds, destructive earthquakes, blazing fires. Some of the greatest movements of power in creation. But the Lord was not in them. There was something deeper at work here, friends. So much deeper. Elijah might have felt safe if the Lord caused a mighty wind or destructive earthquake or a blazing fire towards the things that discouraged him, towards Jezebel. Maybe he would have felt relieved. But the Lord was not interested in Elijah experiencing temporary relief. The Lord was ready to make Elijah whole. Everything that happened since the arrival of his discouragement was to lead him to what he needed most. The presence of God. What is revealed to Elijah after all these big natural events is sheer silence. God was showing Elijah 
that although God is revealed through miraculous wonders, he is also revealed in the spaces of gentleness where all that is spoken is the silence of love unto us. No darkness, tempest, or storm. Not an experience like Moses on the mount or Isaiah in his vision, but an experience of God through soft assurance that all is well. The presence of God was not to rally Elijah against his enemy. The presence of God was to restore Elijah unto the Lord. He went to the mountains thinking that he's going to move all these things. But in the presence of God, Elijah recognized that he was the mountain that was going to be moved. That is the third insight from the text that I want us to take away. The presence of God restores. When God spoke to Elijah, it was exactly what he needed, personally addressed to what he was fleeing from, what he was anxious about, and what he was exhausted by. This is what happens in the presence of God, Christ's love church. The greatest things that lay our hearts, souls, and minds in chaos are made calm. In the presence of God, we are helped for all sorts of occasions. In the presence of God, he moves our mourning into dancing. In the presence of God, all that we are blind to is revealed. All that is broken is healed. All that is dark is brought to the light. In the presence of God, there is freedom. And the presence of God is constant. There's no stopping it. The presence of God is constant. It is not something that we can work to dress up for or attempt to usher in. Because of the finished work of Jesus, yes, Jesus, on the cross, the presence of God is delight and strength for all who call upon the Lord. As Elijah learned in this story, so we must remember today. There is not one moment that we are not desperate for the grace of God found in the presence of God. Whether in seasons of remarkable success or seasons of extreme discouragement. We are desperate for the grace of God and the grace of God that is gazed upon in the presence of God. My friend, my brother, my sister, you need the presence of God. Nothing is more important this year and any other year than the presence of God. For hundreds of years, a little powerful book known as The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence has influenced many people. The ordinary cook and monk wrote this. I honestly cannot understand how people who claim to love the Lord can be content without practicing his presence. My preference is to retire with him to the deepest part of my soul as often as possible. When I'm with him there, nothing frightens me. But the slightest diversion away from him is painful to me. Spending time in God's presence doesn't weaken the body, 
leaving the seemingly innocent and permissible pleasures of the world for a time will, on the contrary, give us comfort. In fact, God doesn't allow a soul that is searching for him to be comforted anywhere else other than with him. Hence, it makes sense to sacrifice ourselves for some time in his presence. Friend, look up at me. If you are discouraged, fleeing, anxious, exhausted, and the impression of a new year doesn't mean new to you at all, but instead it's a continuation of pain, sorrow, and despair. You've been crying out for the winds, earthquakes, and fires of life to make a difference, to stop the abuse, to stop the pain. But as someone who has become numb, you posture yourself with the phrase, it is what it is. My friend, the presence of God is mercy to you right now. The presence of God is grace to you right now. The Lord meets you in the silence, prepared to show you the way. He meets the it is what it is with it is finished, pursuing you with the scarred, wide open hands to embrace you. The gentle whisper of love is for you. No wind, earthquake, or fire is stronger than that. It is the silent presence of, I will never leave you or forsake you. The Holy Spirit meets us, comforts us, and restores us. This is why all human beings need the presence of God more than anything else. In fact, once God spoke creation into existence, the presence of God has always been here. And then Jesus came with flesh. The presence of God put on flesh. And then the presence of God walks with us to say, I'm empathizing with your pain. I'm empathizing with your abuse. I understand. And so I'm going to go to the cross. And where does the presence of God go? To an empty tomb. The presence of God has always been with us. He'll go with you to your cross. And he'll go with you to your open, empty Maybe we need a little help practicing the presence of God so that we don't stray away. Where do we begin with this whole presence of God thing anyway? I have to tell you of two practices from this text that hopefully will encourage us today as we go forward this year. The first practice of the presence of God is stillness. The first practice of the presence of God is stillness. Like what Elijah experienced, we witness the presence of God through being still and knowing. Psalm 46, 10 through 11. You know it. Be still and know that I am God. I'm exalted among the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, being still isn't just about being quiet. Being still is about your body checking in. Some books would say the body keeps a score. 
It's about your soul checking in. It's about your mind checking in. Stillness is about us experiencing the refuge of God, our whole being. Oftentimes, it's not the presence of God is far off. But church, can I be honest? Is that we're too distracted to go and stand before him. In our cultural moment, more and more research shows just how social media is shifting. A recent article I read talked about two shifts. Social media as newspaper to social media as entertainment. And social media moving from information to identity. New platforms are made for us to spend more time scrolling in order to be entertained rather than spending time living life. We live in a generation, we're living in a time where more people would rather watch other people live than living. We scroll through life so much that a new term known as doom scrolling was created, which is the massive consumption of online media. Friends, we must be disciplined because screens often lead us away from the presence of God and presence with human beings. This is something that, if I'm being honest, I'm working on too. We should not live life through images, but live as images of God. Where our tendency is to avoid boredom, awkwardness, or even quiet, Stillness is where we are given soul rest. Getting lost in the blue light doesn't give you rest, but being held up to the light does. Start small and begin to substitute given to screens, all that time given to screens, with time given to stillness. And listen for the Lord to speak in gentle and lowly, ways. Maybe uh, you are in a home with family and life is a little messy. Can I get an amen? I'm learning that about six months in, starting tomorrow for Elijah. (laughs) The good news is that stillness is for messy lives. There is no grade sheet on how you practice stillness. Your father sees you in it. If you are parents, Maybe it means working together as a couple, yes, a married couple, as one, to give one another that space. If you are single, maybe a young professional, maybe it means renovating that moment you use for something else to make room for stillness. Whatever the pathway, friends, stillness is for your good. The second practice of the presence of God is community. After Elijah experiences the presence of God on the mountain, the Lord tells him to appoint three leaders. One of them being his friend and successor, Elisha. The presence of God births discipleship. It births relationships because if there's anything you need to hear in 2023 is that we all... Or y'all need each other. We need each other. When Catherine and I visited CIL Church for the first time, we felt the healing of the Lord in the space. We weren't on staff. We just came as people. After the service, Catherine and I walked up to Pastor Aaron and introduced ourselves. And if there's 
anything that you know about me, it's, I love quoting people, so that's not a shocker to you. I told Pastor Aaron that day, well, Jim Elliott once said, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. And Catherine and I want to be all there at CIL. Friends, if you have been on the edge, 2023, today, it's time to step in. It's time to step in. Here at CIL Church, we are not a church that has small groups. We are a church of small groups. We are a church of communities. 242 groups are not just another ministry that we have here, as we get that 242 logo up here. It's not just another ministry uh, that we have here. They are the rhythms of Christian community beyond these walls, beyond Sunday morning throughout the week. I can't tell you how many 242 groups that I've seen through, again, some of the hardest things in the hardest seasons of discouragement, that they're baking warm meals. They're showing up when a death happens in the family. They are showing up and they're with you. They laugh with you. They're having fun together. They hang out together. So I encourage anyone who is not in a 242 group to take the step and join a 242 group. No more waiting. No more seeing, uh, let's just see what happens. Take the step. Take the step. I encourage you to do that. I encourage anyone who has thought about leading a 242 group to take the step. Come meet with me. Let's talk about starting one. Because there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. But they might come to you. They might come to your neighborhood. I want to encourage any 242 leader who is looking to make disciples like Elijah that you take the step. You take the step to equip people in your group and send them to start new groups. We don't believe in separating. That's a word. do believe out there. I, want to just, I just want to crucify it right here. We don't believe in separating, but we do believe in sending. Through community, through the presence of God, strangers become friends and friends become siblings. Friends, let's see a 242 group in every neighborhood in Summer County. Let's see that. Let's see a 242 group in every neighborhood in Sumner County. You want to know why? Because there are so many people who are unchurched in apartment communities, in small neighborhoods, in new townhome communities that need to experience the presence of God, and it happens through community. It happens through community. We aren't looking to be a megachurch, okay? We aren't looking to be a megachurch, but we are looking to be a faithful church. We are looking to be a faithful church. No more standing on the side. Many unchurched people in our neighborhood, again, they might not come into this sanctuary and come through these doors, but they might come to your house. They might come to your house. They might not pick up a Bible, but they might pick up a coffee mug at your kitchen. They might want to share their story at your, at your kitchen table. Stay a while instead of spending just an hour on a Sunday morning. We are called to practice the presence of God through community. You want to know a powerful reality of what Jesus brought? It was community that abides in him. It was community that abides in the presence of God. So in 2023, I encourage you to practice the presence of God through community because the Lord will show up. I want to ask Josh uh, to come up to the platform. Josh Johnson. 
And I want us to reflect on just this one statement again. The presence of God is what we need most. It's a communal confession. The presence of God is what we need most. Now I want you to think about this. The presence of God is what I need most. Not my job. Not all the games happening. The presence of God is what I need most. So we're going to do something before I ask our our prayer partners uh, to come up here. I want us to practice stillness and community right now. Because maybe we need to practice together. So what's going to happen is that we're going to take 120 seconds. We're going to take 120 seconds to just sit in our chairs And like what Psalm 30 postures us to do, to have our hands open. Flip your hands open as if you're giving something to the Lord. But not only something that you're giving to the Lord, but so that you can receive from the Lord. I want us to take 120 seconds. As Pastor Deborah would say, to have your feet firmly on the floor. To breathe in the grace that comes in the presence of God. And to breathe out the grace that comes from the presence of God. Let's take 120 seconds to sit here and allow the Lord to love us in his presence. Lord, we seek you. We seek refuge in you. Would you lead us and guide us for your name's sake? We say into your hands, we follow you, Jesus. We say into your hands, we entrust you. This year, all the things that would happen, recognizing that you alone, you hold all our times. Trust you, Lord. I want to ask our prayer partners uh, to come up uh, and to take their.